Welcome to the weekly podcast from Harvest Ridge Church in North Ridgeville, Ohio. Our heart's desire is that you would grow in your love and devotion to Jesus Christ and that these messages will strengthen your daily walk. For more information about our church, visit us on the web at www.harvestridge.net. So what kind of cars do sheep drive? Lamborghinis. <clears throat> why, did the, why did the snail paint a big S on this car's hood? So, yeah, you know this one, right? <laughs> why did the snail paint the big S on his car's hood? So people could say, look at the S car go. <laughs> oh, come on, that one's good. I don't care what anybody says. <laughs> All right, do you ever feel like options are overwhelming? Anybody in the room, you ever feel like your options are like overwhelming? Yeah. All right, if you don't ever, you've never felt overwhelmed, I encourage you greatly to go to Cheesecake Factory and look at the menu. Come on, does anybody have time to read the Cheesecake Factory menu? It's like 40-something pages, and it's all delicious. I don't have the time to read it. I don't have the money to spend on it. And I don't have the stomachs to fill up to eat it. And I feel when I, one of the reasons I don't like to go to Cheesecake Factory is I'm overwhelmed. All right, no? Oh, okay, there are a few of you. You feel like, you know, do I check Facebook or Instagram or Twitter or X, I guess it is now, or do I do whatever the new one is, Trump's on, or do I do, I don't know. Does anybody ever feel that way? Like, I wake up in the morning, do I read my Bible? Do I pray? Do I check my email? Do I check the news? Do I turn on the TV? Do I, what, 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 why do, what, options. All right, <clears throat> I've got it. I have a saying for you today. And I would like you to get it because we're going to look at 1 Corinthians chapters 1, 2, and 3 today. Yeah. We've got to do this quick. I'm going to look at 1 Corinthians chapters 1, 2, and 3. But I've got a saying that I want you to repeat after me. You ready? You ready? Por qué? No los dos. Do you know it? Por qué no los dos. Everybody say it with me. You ready? Por qué no los dos. What does it mean? Why not both? My Spanish speakers in the house are all nodding at me. Yeah, why not both? And what my message to you today is basically, if I were to sum it up, it would be right here. Por qué no los dos? Why not both? Our options overwhelm us. Like, do you have steak or do you have shrimp? Por qué no los dos? <laughs> Surf and turf, right? <clears throat> All right, do you have apple pie or do you have ice cream? Come on, por qué no los dos? Why not both? All right, how about this one? Um, uh, where am I at? Do you have a lover for a spouse or do you have a best friend for a spouse? Por qué no los dos? Why not have both? All right, one more. Do I ride the power tower or the iron dragon? Por qué no los dos? All right, y'all with me? So this letter, I'm going to start with a letter. So if you got your Bible, you want to open. And we're going to start in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. We're going to work through three chapters. I'm going to handpick a few passages to help us get it. But for the most part, we're, going to, we're just going to work through the text, all right? We're going to start with the introduction. And the introduction starts of all places in verse 1. Wow, what an amazing place to start in verse 1. 
All right. So Mark Batterson writes a lot of books. And Mark Batterson, I was listening to an interview with him one time. And he said that he spends, and I'm going to quote him here, 80% of his time developing the first chapter of a book. So there's like 30 chapters in a book, and he spends 80% of his time on the first chapter because if you get the first chapter right, you lay out your context for the entire book. And I want to show you that Paul, in the first nine verses of this book, is laying out every major thought and theme that he's going to deal with in the entire book. Y'all ready for this? Ready to go fast? Paul, called. He's talking throughout the book about calling calling, called to be an apostle of Christ by Jesus, by the will of God, and our brother Sosthenes. Uh, Sosthenes is, is interesting. Maybe later we'll talk about Sosthenes, but he apparently is the one that tried to get Paul arrested and thrown into prison, and he got beat up, and yet he is a follower of Jesus now and is actually a part of the letter, even though he was the one that fought against the gospel. I wonder why him and Paul got along together so well. Hmm. To the church, now, y'all know what the word church means after last week. Ecclesia, to the called out ones. To the ecclesia, the called out, so there's that called word again, of God in Corinth to those sanctified, there's a key word for you, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus, and there's that word again, called to be holy people. Now, the word sanctified and holy are the basic same word, and it means set apart to God. Together with all, all those everywhere, all of those everywhere who do what? Who call. There's that call theme again. Are y'all picking something up here by the repeating of the words? He's telling them, you're called. You're not just a normal person. You have literally been called by God to live this life. And he says, to everyone, every, uh, to all those everywhere who call in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, and then their Lord and ours. So there's unity in that last part too. So there are three themes that he develops here in the introduction. Number one, you're called. God has called you by name, he's called you out, you're special, and you are called by him. You don't just choose Jesus, Jesus called you. All right, second of all, uh, they're sanctified and holy, literally, set apart to God. You are different than everyone else. You know what set apart is? I shouldn't do this. But me and my brother, we used to have Halloween candy back in the day. We'd go pick it all up, and, and we would put it in a big bag, and then we'd set it on the living room floor, and we'd pour all the candy in, and then there would be a big stack there, and then he would reach in and get a piece out, and then I would reach in and get a piece out. Well, one day, I found a big Almond Joy, and I reached, because Almond Joys are the best candies you can ever have. Anyway, I reached in, and I pulled out the Almond Joy. David said, that one's mine. I got that, and he reached over into my stack. Come on. I had, y'all ready for this? I had sanctified that candy bar unto myself. I had made it holy. I had pulled it into my stack and I called it, this is my almond joy. I sanctified it into my stack and he touched what was in my stack, so I jacked him in the jaw. And I just want you to know this, that God called you by name and he picked you out and put you in his stack. And when the devil comes to mess with you, the devil better be ducking because Jesus is still swinging. All right, sorry. I do not promote family violence. Do not promote it in any way. I love my brother. And then last of all, there's a unity nature going through here. Their Lord and ours. Theirs and ours. We share this together. We are to care for one another. All right. That's just the introduction. Then there's the greeting. He gives a greeting. 1 Corinthians 1.3. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to you. 
All right? And then he gives the thanksgiving. This is interesting because this is letter writing 101. You start with an introduction, you give a greeting, and then you give a thanksgiving because you want to tell people what you like about them. All right? So you've got to be nice to them. So the thanksgiving is I always thank my God for you because of his grace given to you. And the key word, this is going to be a key word throughout the entire book, charis or charismata or graces. What graces? All right, you know what difference between mercy and grace? Just some of you have heard this before. But mercy is what brings you to zero. Grace is what takes you from zero on to blessings. So right now, as sinners, we live as debtors, a billion in the hole. And the cross of Jesus and the mercy of Jesus has brought us to zero. And we're at zero with God, but to move on into our blessings and our future, we need something because you can't operate in your own power anymore. You need the grace of Jesus, and that grace is what gives you all that you need to live. All right? So that's grace. For in him you have been enriched. There's a key word too, rich. We're going to talk about being rich because chapter 16 is, of course, all about being rich. All right? In every way with all kinds of speech and knowledge, which is two of the gifts of the Spirit. We're going to find out a lot about them. In 1 Corinthians 12, 13 and 14, how do we use that? And also, this word knowledge, just so you know, the Greek word is gnosis. And, uh, and the Jews, uh, the Jews, were, not the Jews, the Gentiles, um, the Gentile people, the, the Greek people, they actually had a religion called Gnosticism. In other words, they worshipped knowledge. They worshipped what they had learned. They worshipped knowledge. It's sort of like follow the science. don't we have a culture that worships science now same thing and he's talking about the fact that we as believers of jesus we have true knowledge because if you followed the science during covid you know that we're not very good at following the science why am i saying that is because when you worship what you know there's always something you don't know well that's good that's really good. Think about that. All right. Um, and then he says, God, is, God, thus, uh, God thus confirming our testimony about Christ in you. Therefore, you do not lack any spiritual gifts. So we're talking about spiritual gifts. Remember, there's three full chapters given to spiritual gifts. As you eagerly await for our Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed. We're going to deal with that in chapter 15. Wow. What he's doing here is he's talking in the Thanksgiving about all the things he's going to deal with at the end of the book. He will keep you firm to the end so that you will be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. There's end language again. And God is faithful who has, there's that called again word, who has called you into fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Uh, What's going on here is that Paul has just laid out. You guys need to recognize your calling. You need to be unified with one another. You need to act holy and get past your sinfulness. And then we're going to talk about spiritual gifts. And then we're going to talk about how to live rich. And we're going to talk about the end. Did y'all notice that all the major things in 1 Corinthians are in the first eight verses? I pointed it out to you. It's interesting. So Paul knew what he was going to write about before he wrote. So all that to say, it's time to come to our verse for this entire sermon series. Would you stand to your feet in honor of God's word? And... Uh, <clears throat> I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree with one another in what you say and that there be no divisions. And the word divisions means literally to tear apart. There be nothing that tears you apart. 
but that you be perfectly united. And the Greek word there means literally sew it back together. So if you are torn apart, what are we going to do? We're going to sew it back together. That you be perfectly united in mind and thought. So Father, I pray today you do this work in the body of Christ. You do that church, that here. There is no I in this church. We are your people. Help us to live as your people united in mind and thought. Amen. Amen. Turn, give somebody a high five and a big smile and tell them you are really happy to see them. If you're online, hey, high five. Glad to see you. All right, I looked at my watch. You guys ready to fly? All right, let's go this. There, there are three problems Paul's going to deal with. The first problem he's going to deal with is that of divisions in the church. What happened was there was a lady named Chloe that was from um, uh, Corinth, and Chloe, well, Chloe was actually the leader, probably one of the church, house church pastors, and, and Chloe, um, well, the, a letter was sent from Chloe and delivered through Chloe's household to come to Paul. We know there was a letter sent because in 1 Corinthians 7, 1, he says, now about the matters you wrote about. So in 1 Corinthians, we're going to find quotation marks everywhere about what they're, they actually are questioning Paul about, which is going to be most of the end of the book. But the beginning of the book, Paul's going to talk about not what the letter said, but he's going to talk about verse 11. The, my brothers and sisters, some from Chloe's household have informed me that there are quarrels among you. So the people who brought the letter said, listen, this church is fighting. And what I mean is this. One of you says, I follow Paul. Another, I follow Paulus. Another, I follow Cephas. Another, I follow Christ. So what's happened? There are four main camps here. Y'all ready for this? Why would there be four camps? Number one, the camp of Paul. Paul is the apostle to the Gentiles. So all the people that are Gentiles were saying, well, I've, I follow Paul because I'm a Gentile. I fall into his grace camp, all right? Then there's Apollos. Who was Apollos? Apollos was a mighty speaker and a rhetorician. And, and I believe Paul is, uh, Apollos is the one that probably wrote Hebrews. That's what I think. I'm allowed to think that, even though I, I'm probably wrong. Anyway, all that say, uh, Apollos, what we know from him, he was a golden tongue uh, uh, speaker. And people were like, oh, I follow Paul, Apollos because Apollos, man, he just lays the good down. He's good. And then there was those that said, I follow Peter. Well, who was Peter? Peter was the apostle to the Jewish church. So if you were a Jewish person living in Corinth, you would say, well, all you Gentiles, you can follow Paul. We're going to follow Peter. I mean, we're Jews, right? And then there's others. They were so spiritual. These are the spiritual ones. They would say, I don't follow any man. I follow Christ. I'm too spiritual to get in this with you guys. I follow Jesus only. Yeah. And, and what does Paul say? He says, is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Were you baptized in the name of Paul? He said, no. So what he does is he corrects this schism, this ripping. He corrects it by saying this. 1 Corinthians 3, 4. When one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Paulus, are you not being mere human beings? I love that. You're just acting like normal people. Guys, can I just, can I talk? Can I talk? Can I talk for just a second? We live in identity politics. I'm this. I'm that. I identify as this. I identify as that. I am this. I am that. And, and I'm Democrat. I'm Republican. I'm independent. I'm blah, 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 blah. Everybody is identity politics now. And can I just tell you, that's absolutely stupid. Do you know why it's stupid? Because that's meant to divide you. And I really, really believe the church of Jesus Christ is not a place that we should live divided, but we should live united. 
So when you talk like that, when you talk like that, you're talking like a mere human being. A mere human being. You're not made to be a mere human being. Maybe before you were saved, but not after you saved. Why? Because he says in 1 Corinthians 3, 16, don't you know that you yourself are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you, in your midst? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy that person. You should be careful about that. For God's temple is sacred. And you, come on. <clears throat> Does anybody read that word? And you what? Together. Together are that temple. What Paul is saying is, quit dividing among what you disagree with and start uniting on what you do agree with. And you know what I agree with? Can I just tell you what I agree with? Well, I'm going to cover it the rest of this chapter, but let's be real quick. You're a lousy, rotten, scum-sucking sinner. And I'm twice as bad as you. And the grace of Jesus Christ has redeemed me and given me a life and he's redeemed you and given you a life. And we can agree that the grace of Jesus is greater than all of our rotten, scum, sucking, no good for nothing. Right? All right. Just wondering if I... All right. And then we together are the temple of God. Let's not fight over stupid stuff. But 1 Corinthians chapter 6, we're going to find out why not rather be wronged. It's better to be wronged. It's better for you to be wronged than to always defend yourself. Anyway, we'll, we'll go there some other time. 1 Corinthians chapter 3.21 says, So then, no more boasting about human leaders. And the, uh, all right, all right. Y'all ready for this? No more boasting about human leaders. ¿Por qué no los dos? Why not have it all? All things are yours, whether Paul or Paulus or Cephas or the world of life or death or the present or the future. ¿Por qué no los dos? Why not have it all? And you are of Christ, and Christ is of God. So the answer isn't, let's divide. The answer is, let's unify. So is it Browns or is it Steelers? I really don't care. I just enjoy watching the game. Is it Ohio State or that team up north? Now, this is where Porque Nolos No stops. No. <laughs> there is a line to everything. No, I'm just kidding. Let's enjoy the game. Let's enjoy the rivalry. Let's enjoy the companionship and the communication. All right, second of all, the second problem is rejection. Now, the message of the church has always been rooted in the cross of Jesus Christ. The cross requires rejection, humility, self-abasement, and death. 1 Corinthians 1.18 says this, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the... Here's that key thought from last week. It is the power of God. For the message of the cross is foolishness. It's what? Foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. You should memorize this first because it's really good. Because the fact of the matter is, is that we, if we really live the Christian life, we are called to live. And you really live in the faith that you are given. You will experience rejection and suffering and even persecution for your stance that Jesus Christ is the only way to be saved. But in that, there is life. You know, people don't like a message that strips you of your pride. And people definitely don't like a message that tells you you've got to suffer and die. Paul said, Paul said, I want to know Christ in the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. 
You know, we all like that power of the resurrection. You know what we don't like? Fellowship with the sufferings. Uh, the fact of the matter is this. If you think you're going to live this life without suffering ever, you have not read the Bible. Because the Bible promises suffering for doing right. As a matter of fact, I quote Peter here. Second Peter, first Peter. It's better to suffer if you get a beating for doing what's right, God will reward you. <laughs> we don't like that language today because we're all like, oh, I only get the blessing. Por que no los dos? <laughs> you know, the, the, the cross is an icon for us. It's something that we put on the platform. We wear around our neck. It's something we do like that. But, but do you know what the cross was to the people for whom Paul wrote these letters? Do you know what it was? tell you what it was. It was a torture instrument that they saw friends and family die on. They wouldn't put them way up on a stick. They'd put them right at eye level. So when you walk past, you could see the eyes of the person in agony hanging there for hours, sometimes days, as they struggled to find breath when their body contorted. The, the Romans were, they were cruel people. And when we mention cross, we talk about, oh, the gold cross with Jesus, you know, perfectly quaffed with his little loincloth. No, he didn't have a loincloth. He was totally naked. And he had the crud beat out of him, holes in his body and his skin ripped off. This isn't a beautiful thing. It's a, if you've, has anybody ever gutted an animal? It stinks. Do you know what crucified people smell like after they've been hanging on a cross for a day and their guts are starting to hang out? My point to you is this, is that we have so cleaned up the cross that we've missed the porque no los dos of it. We only see the power and we forget the suffering. And some of you, you go through a hard time and you think, God, you've abandoned me. No, God says, hey, that's where my power is real made known. And the way you really get that power in that time of suffering is you remain faithful to the suffering. And if your theology does not allow for that, you need to go back and reread your Bible. The message that unifies all believers is Jesus. Because the cross is offensive to everyone. This message of, hey, you got to come and die. You got to lay down your life. You got to lay down what you want. You got to lay down your desires. You got to lay down your pride. You got to lay down your ambition. You got to kill it. Amen. Man, that, that is so offensive to me. I didn't say to you, I said to me. Because I want to be ambitious in the name of God, not dead in the name of God. What did Paul say? 1 Corinthians 1.22. Jews demand a sign and Greeks, they look for wisdom. That, there's that wisdom again. But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles. But to those whom God has called, there's that called word again, when God calls you to the cross, to those God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. So everything you need is found in dying. Everything that gives you life is found when you let it go. Or I may quote our bards, our song singers, everything that kills me makes me feel alive. And everything that, yeah. 
Matthew 16, 24, whoever wants to be my disciple, this is Jesus' words, they must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. This sometimes happens in funny ways. Did I tell you guys this story? I'll tell you a story. I was working in a factory. I was putting myself through Bible college, and I was working in a factory. So uh, uh, my parents did what they could, but I worked all summer long. I'd take my paycheck, and I'd give it to uh, the school to pay for my college because working through college and paying for it is better than going into debt for it. Anyway, I'm just saying that because I lived in the 80s. And I'm old. But I didn't come out with $100,000 in debt. Anyway, all right, all that to say, <clears throat> and I'm not judging anybody there. That's not judgment. That's a recommendation from somebody that maybe uh, has your best interest really in heart, whether you think so or not. So here's the deal. I'm working in this factory, and I'm in this pit, and Bill Fingerhut was our repairman. He was our, our utility man. Bill Fingerhut played college football. He was about six foot four and went about 280 pounds. He was a big boy. And I'd been talking to Bill Fingerhut for days and days and weeks now about Christ. And I'm in this little pit. And uh, what happened, the pit I was in, there were a couple of cool guys that worked around me. And there were like 15 guys sitting around. I know it was factory, but I guess they all took their break at the same time. And they're all sitting around talking. And they're all, you know, like gas bagging. And I'm there in the pit working and gas bagging with these dudes. And uh, Bill Fingerhut comes up to me, comes up, and Pastor Robin, would you help me out? Would you come stand right here? All right, just stand there. And here I am in a pit, working on my box, the refrigerator, putting screws in my refrigerator. And Bill Fingerhut comes up, and about four inches taller, six inches taller than you, and he says, Yo, crow, with all these people watching, you one of them tongue talkers? Now, guys, I don't know if you know what's embarrassing or not, but it's not really what you want to do with 10 guys sitting around listening to you. They're all cool, joking, doing their, come on, these were the cool guys that I was working next to, and everybody's like, ha, they're all laughing at me, and I'm, I'm thanking God that I've got another box to fill with screws, and I take my time doing the next one, and take my time doing the next one, and the Holy Ghost hit me, and I turned around, and I squared straight in his kneecap, and I said, yeah, what of it? And I turned back and did another box. You know what Bill Fingerhut, thank you, Pastor Rob. You got the visual there. Talking about intimidated. You know what happened? Bill Fingerhut said, oh, just wondered, walked away. The rest of the conversation dropped. Bill Fingerhut, after work, came up to me and started talking to me about the fact his life was in ruins, and I led Bill Fingerhut to Christ that night after work. The cross that puts you in those awkward positions, that makes you feel like you're being persecuted or suffering, that's where the power of God comes. Is there, is there awkwardness and suffering and feeling weak in that moment? Is there that awkwardness of feeling persecuted and picked upon? Yes. Yes. Is there power? Porque no los dos. All right. So the message of cross brings all people to a place of being nothing. You're basically nothing. The ground is level at the foot of the cross because you're not impressive. You're really not. 
Think about this, 1 Corinthians 1, 26. Brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many of you were noble birth. By the way, um, the, the gospel of Jesus, the, the kingdom of God is built up not with people that are awesome, but with people who are... Let me put it this way. I heard the old preacher say, the gospel is simply one blind beggar telling another blind beggar where to find some food. We're even there. Not, not many are the super cools. You know, I was cool for about a week in high school. And then I blew that pretty good. By human standards, not many of you are really awesome. You're not, you're not smartest. You're, there are no Albert Einsteins in here. You're not really super influential, most of you. you and, and even when you were, I mean, any kings in the place? We have any kings? Noble birth? What we need to embrace is the fact that we're just all normal people. And, and I thought, this, this is Paul, all right? 1 Corinthians 1.27 says this. And this is the CNIV. This is the Crow's Nearly Inspired Version. And if you have a problem with the word I'm going to use, I know it's an offensive word, but if you have a problem with that, talk to Paul, don't talk to me, because I simply translated it, okay? <laughs> I know you don't want your kids using this word, but Paul used it, all right? 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 27, this is a, the Greek translation, but the moron of the world, God picked it out. And the weak of the world, God picked you out. And the insignificant, and the ones who were rejected, God picked you up. Do you, does anybody ever feel insignificant or rejected or like you're the, the one that just doesn't get it and everybody else is cool and you're not? Or what? Does anybody ever feel that way? Wave at me if anybody ever feels that way. Come on. You feel like you're not the one that gets it. Okay. I want you to know that God picked you out because you don't get it. You don't have to be the cool school, you know, wearing all the coolest clothes. Man, I was poor. We didn't wear cool clothes when I was a kid in school. The other kids wore cool clothes. I didn't. They had cool cars. I had to buy my own. Are, are y'all following me? And, and sometimes we feel like because we don't that it makes us less than. But I want you to know that God reached down and he did something. What did he do? He said, I like that one. Pick. This one's mine. Remember the pile of candy again? Remember? You're the almond joy God reached for. Amen. You are. He picked you out. And the ones who are nothing? So that no flesh could boast before him. God chose you, not because you're so great, but because he wants to be so great through you. Amen. You don't have to be great yourself because he wants to be great through you. And you know what he does? If you're high and mighty, he humbles you. And if you're low and broken, he raises you up. Do you know why? Because he wants the ground to be level at the foot of the cross. You ready? I get a great illustration of what it's like. Are you, are you ready? One of the greatest movies ever. Here we go. Can you show that video? Buddy? Hold this under the backboard. What is it? Fifteen feet. Fifteen feet. Strap, put Ollie on your shoulders. 
Measure this uh, from the rim. Buddy? How far? Ten feet. Ten feet. I think you'll find it's the exact same measurements as our gym back in Hickory. <laughs> okay, let's get dressed for practice. It's one of the greatest movies ever. The little town guys go and play in the big auditorium for the state championship, and they're all overwhelmed, and their coach says, hey, guess what? Still 15 feet to the free throw line is still 10 feet to the rim. Same as where you are, because here's the deal. God may switch you from one place in life to another, to another, to another, but when he does so, he keeps the ground level at the foot of the cross because you're not justified and you're not great because you're great or because you're significant. You're great because Jesus, through you, gives you the power to live the life he called you to. It doesn't change whether you're mopping the floors or leading the company. It's the same. That's good news. So what happens at 1 Corinthians 1.30, it is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus, who has become the wisdom from God. That is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. Listen to what happens. When you are in Christ Jesus, you are included in him. You are included in him. The cross means that you are included, and it gives you wisdom. It gives you righteousness. It gives you holiness. It gives you redemption. All of those things. Why? Because verse 31 says, let him who boasts, not boast in himself, but boast in God. Whether you're great or whether you're nothing, it's level at the foot of the cross. And God gives you the power to live this life and all that he has for you. And that's where we're going to come to. Oh, one more thing before we do that. Um, you know what happened to George Washington? Do you all know George Washington? Anything about American history? The French and Indian War basically started because George Washington's incompetence. I remember reading a history book not long ago, and it was his incompetence at a certain battle that allowed the French and Indian War. George Washington was a failure early on in his military career. He was such a failure that he started in a whole war. But this George Washington, he did something, and all historians will note this. He found this woman named Martha, and he married her. Because behind every great man, there's an even better woman. You can say that's true. But do you, do you know what happened when he got the right paraclete or the right one who comes alongside him? Paraclete means alongside to call, to walk alongside you and to help you. Do, you. do you know what happened when he got the right person to walk along beside him? George Washington became George Washington because he had the right person walking alongside him, giving him advice and direction. Martha, by the way, if you study her at all, she was an amazing woman. All right. Why do I say that? Because, listen, the cross levels the playing field, so now we're level. But how do we get ahead? Well, we need some charis. We need some grace. We need something to get us ahead. We need a paraclete. We need somebody to walk along beside us and help us know what we don't know. Therefore, we come to the promise for those who have been rejected. The promise. The promise. It's in 2 Corinthians, or 1 Corinthians chapter 2, starting verse 9. However, as it is written, listen to this. This is good. No eye has seen, no ear has heard. Your eye hasn't seen, your ear has not heard. No human mind has ever conceived. Come on, this is good stuff. You aren't going to get this in yourself. You're not going to get what God's got going with your eyes or your ears or your mind. 
No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no human mind has conceived the things God has prepared for those who love him. So God's got all this blessing and all this wonderful, wonderful piles of grace and blessing and power and authority and anointing and wisdom and knowledge and all of it's there more than you can even imagine because you can't see it and you can't hear it and your mind can't even think about it. It's so great. Are y'all following me? In Christ, now that we come to Christ through the cross, all this stuff's available to us, but we can't understand it. And, and one thing I want to say to you is your expectations of what God can do in you and through you is lower than it should be. <clears throat> you don't think big enough about what God can do and what he will do. All right, so what does he say? 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 10. Um, these are the things God has revealed to us. What? You mean we can know these things that we can't know? Yes, these are the things God has revealed to us by his spirit. Paraclete, the one who walks alongside us, the one that is with us. For the spirit of God searches the deep things of God. For who knows a person's thoughts in them except their own spirit within them? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. What, shall, what we have received is not the spirit of this world, but the spirit who is from God, so that we may understand what God has freely given us. <coughs> so, does a person next to you really know what you're thinking about right now? <laughs> you know, I wrote down some things that I used to think about. Food, the upcoming football game, how long this preacher's going to talk, what is that cologne? They should have wore half of it. <laughs> sex. Yes, I've thought about sex in church a lot. Every guy in the room knows exactly what I'm talking about. What, what, what do you think about? What are you thinking about? Nobody knows your thoughts. Thank God they don't know your thoughts. You got thoughts going on in your head right now, right? Right? Those thoughts going through your head? Nobody knows it, because, but your spirit knows it. You know it. Your spirit knows it. By the way, how do you know what God's thinking about? You don't know what God's thinking about, but you know, you know who knows what God's, spirit's, what God's thinking about? The Spirit of God. That's what he's saying right here. Your, your spirit has these thought processes going on. God's brain has these thought presses, processes going on. And we're in trouble because we got God that thinks these thoughts are blessing and wonderful, and you're thinking about, I wonder if I could eat a brownie. How many calories are in that brownie? Uh, if I make brownies, will they be warm when I put the ice cream on them? I, I, Everybody here is craving a brownie now, right? But, but y'all get what, so that's what I'm thinking about, but God's thinking about, I wonder how I can twist their work situation so that they have more authority to speak the gospel in their workplace. Yeah, yeah, all right. All right, let's sort of wrap this up. The, um, the promise of the Holy Spirit is to connect God's thoughts with your thoughts. So what does 2.13 say? Well, I'll give it to you from the CNIV because that's my... When I say CNIV, if you're new to Harvest Ridge, CNIV is when it's... I call it the crow's nearly inspired version because I go into the... I read the Greek and then I translate it into English in ways that I think that bring a, a clearer understanding. Or you can read the NET according to Rob because the NET normally says about what I say. Anyway, the t, these are literally the words of 2 Corinthians 2.13. In the teaching of the Spirit... Spirit to spirit, bringing together. 
hold on. Didn't we just establish that you're thinking these thoughts and that your thoughts are here? And didn't we establish that God is thinking bigger thoughts and his thoughts are there? Do you know what happens through the power of the Holy Spirit? Your spirit's thoughts and God's spirit's thoughts start merging together so that you start thinking God's thoughts instead of your weak, lowly thoughts. This is the promise of the Pentecostal experience of the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Why do I want, why am I one of them tongue talkers like he asked me? Because my spirit and God's spirit get to spirit together and we get to connect together so that when I'm about to goof something up, God steps in. I don't, I don't, I'm running low on time. Can I tell you though, a couple weeks ago I was calling out ecclesia. I was calling out in here, you know, hey, so-and-so you're called, so-and-so you're called, so-and-so you're called. And I don't know, I, don't, I didn't even know I was doing this, but I was done. I was done calling people out. And for some reason I looked up and I saw Joe Hessel sitting back over here in the corner. And you know what I did? I, I just called out. I have no idea what I, I didn't even know what I said. I said, Joe Hetzel, God has called you to be an example in your workplace of Christ-likeness. You know what he told me? Now, I have no idea why I said those words to him. But do you know what he told me afterwards? He said, my boss called me into the office and asked me, why are you so different than everybody else? Your work is always better. What's driving it? And I want to know about it. You're not like other Christians. Do you think I knew in that moment what I was saying? That's, that's a word of knowledge that comes from the Holy Spirit to speak to somebody, a word of encouragement so that God knows he sees them. And I'm not smart enough to do this stuff, and neither are you, but you know what? My spirit and God's spirit, we're thinking the same thought sometimes. Sometimes, sometimes I get in the way. <laughs> are y'all following me? Wouldn't it be great if you approached a problem with your kids or a problem with your job, if you approach it through the thoughts of the Holy Spirit rather than your thoughts? 1 Corinthians 2.14, the person without the Spirit doesn't accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolishness and cannot understand them because they're discerned through the Spirit. Verse 15, the person with the Spirit makes judgment about all things, but a person is not subject, but such a person is not subject to merely human judgment. For who has known the mind of the Lord so to instruct him? Not me. Oh, but then he says this. We can have the mind of Christ. Pastor Matt talked to you earlier this summer, and I've been dwelling on it. I listened to the sermon. I've been dwelling on it all summer long about cheat codes. You know what cheat codes are, right? That's like when you're playing a video game and somebody tells you that if you punch this button, that button, in this order, you get a certain code, and that code enables you to be able to like, have extra power. It's a cheat code. You know what a cheat code is? A cheat code is walking into an office and having the Holy Spirit speak to you what you need to say to bring life into the city. A cheat code is turning to Bill Fingerhut and saying, yeah, what of it? Because I wanted to say 50 other things. Cheat codes, are, cheat codes are when the Holy Spirit is directing you and giving you the thoughts of God into your measly little brain. And I, I want to... This is the frustration of, of being a pastor is because... I know what happens when you walk in the power of the Spirit. 
And some of you, you sit here week after week, and all you do is you come to church to check your spiritual box, and you walk out, and you go live pretty much the rest of the week like you do would anyway. And what I want, this is what I want for you. I want you to step out of normal living. I want you to step out of being like everybody else. And I want you to think your thoughts, but I also want to open you to be opened up to the thoughts of the Holy Spirit so that the cheat codes of God can be given to you to make an impact on the world because kids need to be saved and their lives need to be redeemed and neighbors need to be one to Christ and there are decisions that need to be made that are going to change the world and all of these things are going to happen through the insignificant person who's simply playing at a 10-foot goal like everybody else because the cross is level but the Holy Spirit's going to talk through you and work through you and give you thoughts that are different and you're going to make a change in the world because you insignificant have the power of God working in and through you and I'm telling you stop living normal stop it porque no los nos why can't you have a normal life but yet be filled with the power of God why do you have to be normal stop it normal's a setting on your dryer so we can have unity we can embrace different leaders but still be one body without picking sides we can have inclusion we can know that we aren't all that but we have been called and picked out by God we can have power we know we are weak but walk in the power of the Holy Spirit and his thoughts and his gifts working through it porque no los dos why can't you be weak and have power? Why can't you think differently but still be united? Why can't you be needy and still be rich? Why can't you sacrifice and still overcome? Why can't you judge sin but you still love? Why can't you lose and win? Why can't you die and live? Why can't you share and receive? Why can't you be foolish and incredibly wise? Why can't you surrender and still be standing strong? And why can't you stumble into sin and still be saved, called, redeemed, and holy? Holy. Porque no los dos. Stop living small. Stop it. Three of you get it. Three of you are nodding at me, and the rest of you go, that dude needs to calm down. Yeah. I'm not gonna calm down. You know why I'm not gonna calm down? Because I believe God has more for you than your eyes can see and your ears can hear and your mind can even conceive. And some of you, some of you have, there, there are people in this room, you will not enter into that until you embrace the cross of Jesus Christ and give him your life. So I'm going to ask everybody to bow your heads with me right now. And I'm going to ask you, if you're in this room and today is your day to embrace the cross of Jesus and to make him your Lord and Savior, if that's you and you know God's talking to you and today is your day, I want you to lift your hand real high. I want to pray with you. Yes, yes. There are others around this room. Yes. Are there others? Come on, lift that hand up. Yes, yes. Around this room. Anybody else? Come on. Lift it up high. It's time. It's time. I give my life to you, Jesus. I surrender it all. I embrace the cross. I embrace the death of the cross so that I can live the fullness of your Holy Spirit. Right now. Father God, you saw every one of those hands. And I pray that in the name of Jesus, every single one of those people who raised their hand and said, today is the day, that God, you would embrace them right now you would pick them out pick them out and call them to yourself they're made your child right now in the name of jesus christ 
You are a child of Jesus Christ because you reached out to him and he picked you out. Now, here's what I'd like for the rest of us. I'd like everybody, if you would, to stand in this room. And I'd like you to ask yourself, what am I settling for when God wants to give me more? I'm settling for this, and God says, por qué no los dos? Why can't God give you all of his blessings, not just part of it? And we're going to sing this song. And maybe you need to pray. Maybe you need to come to the altar. I don't know. Maybe you need to pray with somebody close with you. I don't got prayer warriors up here if you want somebody to pray with you. But we're going to take just a couple of minutes. And I'd like you to ask God, Holy Spirit, what's the most? What's the, what's the extra that I'm avoiding? Open my heart and open my mind. Let's do that as we sing the song.